Yo, 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 this is Nancy Giles on the Giles Files, and here with me in the studio is my producer, Nancy Wyatt. Yo, say hi, Nancy Wyatt. Hey. <laughs> Do you know what happiness is to me? It's going out to dinner with good friends and getting a brown gravy stain and a brown dress. Why am I such a slob? I never miss, maybe because the target's so big. Our happiness is a 90-year-old man marrying an 18-year-old girl because he has to. Our happiness is speeding down a highway past a state trooper who's got a flat tire. You just gotta spread happiness around. That's what I am, you know. I'm just a little fat spreader. That's the voice of comedian Toady Fields, who was a huge comic star back in the 60s and 70s, right up there with Phyllis Diller, Joan Rivers, and Moms Mabley. Uh, I used to see her on the Ed Sullivan Show all the time. Oh, I loved it. She would come on stage. She was only 4'10". She'd wear these beautiful chiffon dresses. She had her hair piled up and she was curvy and she used to make fun of herself, of her appearance, of her shaky underarms and how she was always trying to lose weight. Here's one of her quotes. I've been on a diet for two weeks and all I've lost is two weeks. See, I really relate to that even now. She wrote a very funny book called I Think I'll Start on Monday, the official eight and a half ounce mashed potato diet. And uh, Tony Fields was hilarious. Unfortunately, she had health problems and died way too young at just 51 years old in 1978. But you can still enjoy her on YouTube. And here is more from Tony Fields' album, or as we used to call them, LPs for long playing. This is Tony Fields Live. I told you happiness is different things. Happiness is losing a $2,000 diamond ring that's insured for four. Happiness is... Opening a calorie book and finding out the banana cream pie is only seven calories. And a hunk of lettuce is 2,000. I'm so sick of lettuce, I hate it. Happiness is writing out a check for your doctor in Latin. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to do that just once and tell him to cash it at the nearest drugstore? Happiness is finding out that your son has married a boy of his own faith. Today you're ahead. <laughs> Happiness is finding a library book that's three weeks overdue and finding out that you're not. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, that's a big problem. A friend of mine was on the pill and by mistake took aspirins for nine months and had a baby. And to this day, that kid don't get a headache. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah, Mark Twain said that more than 100 years ago. And more recently, there have been studies that prove the same thing. Scientific Americans said it can be difficult and even inappropriate to laugh in the face of adversity, but it seems that time can help transform a calamity into a comedy. I mean, they're doing studies on this. Well, we at the Giles Files are doing our own independent research on it. And we found in the tradition of people like Toadie Fields that there are a lot of wonderful comedians out there on the stages still exploring this tragedy plus time equals comedy and making us laugh. So coming up next to our really big Giles Files show, put your hands together for... Tell me your name. Carrie Cottitz. You have a lot of interesting wordplay about certain words that people are sensitive about. Talk about where, where that interest came from. 
I'm just always interested in why we do things, and especially in the time of like being outraged. And I like to tap into like, is this a legitimate thing, or is this like based on societal pressure? Is this a, a thing that really resonates with you specifically? Are you being offended and outraged on behalf of other people? Are you pretending to be outraged because it's a thing to do? Are you legitimately hurt? Is there a legitimate grievance happening? What can we unpack? And you've been on the show Crashing, is that right? I think I heard uh -huh. that. It's What's that experience been like? Um, I was acting on that, so I'm also an actor and a writer. Of course you are. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't think that comedians can do other things. Who thinks that? I don't. Oh, yeah, no. Comedians are great. I think people now know that comedians can be great actors. We have Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, Whoopi Goldberg, John Lucas. We have tons. The list is, yeah, so... <laughs> website and information in case people want to see your very, very funny comedy. Sure. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and anywhere on the World Wide Web at Overfab. O-V-E-R-F-A-B. It's short for Overly Fabulous. It's like a contraction that I made up. And my website is kerrycoddett.com. So that's K-E-R-R-Y-C-O-D-D-E-T-T.com. That's right, girl. Spell it out. Mouthful. Two R's, two D's, two T's. That's me. You are hilarious. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I never really liked comedy clubs because the pressure was on in those clubs to come up with a joke, punchline, joke, punchline, joke, punchline. And I don't really have jokes. 
oh, well, you might think, really, I don't have jokes. But anyway, I first started to do stand-up comedy myself. I was, okay, let's just admit it. I wasn't so great. I had uh, a three jokes that I built my comedy set around, and they were all imitations. The first was my imitation of a cat choking on a bone. Okay, here goes like something like this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the second imitation was an imitation of President Lyndon Johnson. And when I imitated, th did this imitation, I pulled my shirt up and I pointed because there's this very famous picture of Lyndon Johnson pointing to the scar on his stomach after he had gallbladder surgery. And I thought that was so hilarious. All right. And then the third imitation was me imitating my mother trying to get off of a very boring phone call. This was mom. It sounds something like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. Well, uh-huh. Well, let me let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Let, let me, mm-hmm. Let me let you go. So those were my first three jokes. Woohoo! Smoking. Tell me your name. Ritu Chandra. How do you get your ideas? Um, it comes from my life right now and just things I see, so that's it. I am the problem in this relationship. I admit it. Uh, he went to Harvard. Right. He was white when I met him and he's still white. When I met him, he's from Michigan, so he was like NRA white, like that kind of white, right? And now we live in the suburbs and he's much more, I cheat on my taxes white, right? That's about right, it is. He makes just enough money that I don't have to be a feminist. That's how much he makes, right? Just that much, just that level. Yeah, but I am one, I am one. Of course I'm a feminist, right? Yes. Feminism gives women choices, so I support equal pay for equal work. I just choose all his pay and not to work. That's my choice, you guys. That's my choice. I like it. You guys, last Christmas, I got a ski mask. No, I'm not making this up. I got a fucking ski mask. And just so you understand, I've never been skiing. I've never said I want to go skiing. His brown wife running around in a ski mask? Does he want me killed in a drone strike? Is that how he's trying to get rid of me? Oh my. And I said, why did you get me a ski mask? And his answer was, because when you get up early in the morning to walk the dog, I don't want your face to be cold. No, oh, no, don't all that. No. I, uh, I, live in a, I live in a very white suburb of New Jersey, and I'm not making this up when I tell you my neighbor came over one day and was like, you always look so tan. <laughs> yeah, I am Indian, as I mentioned before. My parents, though, are actually from India. I was born and raised here in the United States, uh, and I'm very proud to be from the United States because there's no other country in the world where a little brown girl can grow up to be a spoiled suburban white woman. So, uh, yeah. That's the American dream, right? Come true. 
spell your name and give us your um, website. Okay, it's Ritu, R-I-T-U. That's my first name, Chandra, C-H-A-N-D-R-A. And my website's RituChandra.com. So. You're hilarious. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. I host a monthly variety show at Dixon Place in New York City, and it's called The Mosquito. And Michael Houston is half of a comedy duo called Babes in the Woods. She and her comedy partner, Cynthia Babak, they write and perform sketches, and their characters are favorites of mine. Here is Michael Houston, this time flying solo, with one of her characters. We call this piece Ginger Honey Testifies. Today, the committee will hear the testimony of President Donald Trump's longtime closest and most trusted advisors over the last decade. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give before this committee will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Chairman Cummings, Ranking Member Jordan, and members of the Oversight Committee, Thank you for giving me the time to explain my side of the story regarding individual one, a.k.a. President Donald J. Trump. Best if I start from the beginning. My childhood in Lexington, Kentucky was just about as perfect as any childhood could be. But after Mama died and Daddy lost his job at the mill, times got tough. Daddy said we'd have to pull in more money somehow or we could lose the farm. I was only 15 years old at the time, but my Aunt Jenny said she might be able to get me a job at the hair salon downtown. Well, soon it became clear that haircuts were not exactly my forte, except for Ida Jones's Yorkshire Terrier, Ginger Honey, who just loved to have her little bangs trimmed while Ida was under the dryer. Ginger Honey had a lovely coat, a beautiful mix of blonde and brown shades that only Mother Nature could come up with until I stole her idea. Well, I got busy with a combination of peroxide, ammonia, phenyldiamine, resorcinol, and formaldehyde that mixed them together in such a way that put me on the map as the colorist of Lexington. Would you all close that door, please? Thank you. It all worked out well until our client's hair started falling out because of the excessive amount of chemicals I was using. I was run out of town on a rail and I had to come up with something quick. I met Donald Trump at a high ally game in Miami. Me and some of the gals were on an eight hour layover and we decided to check it out. Mr. Trump was sitting right next to me and offered to get me a beverage. I was feeling a little faint from the heat and had forgotten my salt, so I said yes. Well, he came back with an enormous spiked lemonade, which was just the ticket. One time, he invited me out on his yacht. We had a couple of drinks, and I ended up telling him about my short-lived career as a hair colorist back in Kentucky. Of course, I didn't tell him that I had been banished from Lexington. Well, then Donald said that he was just plain old sick and tired of his hair color and needed a change. Well, you know, something fun. Well, he offered me $1,000 for a single treatment, so of course I agreed. I tweaked my recipe a bit, hoping to lessen the damage. Well, it came out beautifully, and Donald was quite pleased. What do you call that shade, sweetie? Without thinking, I said, ginger honey. He gave me a playful slap on my behind, and I became his personal hair colorist from that day forward. 
This new evidence raises a host of troubling legal and ethical concerns about the president's actions in the White House and before. Well, everything was going along just fine until Donnie decided to run for president. All of a sudden, I had to fly everywhere with him. Every other week, he wanted a treatment. I thought, this can't be good, even at $1,000 a pop. Finally, I said, Donnie, I'm beginning to think all those treatments aren't safe and that I really shouldn't do them so often. Bullshit, he yelled. Ginger Honey's gonna get me elected. You'll do it, and you'll like it. What is the strongest memory you have? Mr. Trump was starting to act nuttier than a squirrel turd. I mean, he'd always been a little eccentric, but I was starting to think those chemicals were seeping right through to his brain. And as much as I tweaked the recipe, I did start to notice a little thinning. Folks from his staff and the press were coming up to me and asking what exactly my hairstyling process was. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you that Mr. Trump gave me a check for $15,000 to keep quiet about the coloring. As a trial lawyer for many years, I've faced this situation over and over again. We are in search of the truth. I'm ashamed, but I just kept telling people. Mr. Trump says I work magic with a blow dryer, which usually got a funny look from some people, but it shut them up. Well, after that windy day Air Force One incident back in February 2018, I got nervous. I guess doing all those treatments so often, I didn't realize how bad things were getting back there. Well, then I get a call from Don Jr. No more purchase orders for peroxide, Ginger Honey. You're fired. You'd think, after all those years, Mr. Trump would have had the common decency to fire me himself. Anyway, Mr. Chairman, despite the hush money payment, and I do happen to have a copy of the check right here. This check is dated August 1st, 2017. Six months later, in April of 2018, the president denied anything about it. I feel it's important to come before the committee and tell you that although Mr. Trump may have been one sandwich short of a picnic before, the chemicals in those treatments couldn't have helped matters any. I know that Fox and Friends thinks that I should be put in prison for subjecting his tiny pea brain to all those toxic chemicals and putting the entire country in jeopardy. But honestly, his elevator wasn't getting to the top floor way before I met him. Why did you contact the Washington Post then on July 6th? Now my daddy's getting threats, getting phone calls that they're going to turn the family farm into a golf course. Call it Bourbon Links. (sighs) Thank you for your time, Mr. Chairman. And I welcome any questions the committee may have for me. If we agree on nothing else today, I hope on a bipartisan basis we can agree on how much courage it has taken for you to come forward. You're rocking out some really cool, like, makeup thing. He's got these little jewels right in the yeah, your eyes. Yeah, I got where um, my tear duct. You have yeah. jewels in the tear duct? Yes, yes. Have you done that before? I haven't done that before. It looks it's really fun. cool. Thank you. Are you really 14 or are you what they said, 47? No, I'm actually 42. I don't know what like the articles are saying, but you know, <laughs> it's weird. They they look at me because I'm short, you know.
That's actress Marseille Martin. She is a young comedy trailblazer. I've loved her since I first saw her on the sitcom Blackish. She was nine years old when she started, playing the youngest daughter, Diane, a straight A student, wise and sarcastic, and Diane don't take no mess. Marseille just cracked me up with that character. She's grown up, 14 years old now, and she is making Hollywood history in a new movie called Little. Okay, Marseille, I have to tell you, I'm thrilled that I got to see your new movie, Little, which you are in, you're starring in. Yes. And you're the youngest executive producer of a Hollywood feature film in history. How does that feel? It feels so unreal, you know? Um, Just being a young black girl from Texas, it's just not knowing I'd come this far is... uh, I'm really blessed and beyond grateful. And one of the things I love the most about the movie is how great you were at imitating these mannerisms and the way that women walk and carry themselves. How did you pull that off? I mean, a lot of people call me an old soul sometimes. And <laughs> did people say I was like a 45-year-old in like a 14-year-old's body? I don't know. I think just being around adults all the time just gives you that vibe of you know how they are. Right. So in my in my perspective, you know. And you got the idea for a little after seeing the movie Big. Yes, which was my mom's favorite film. Which up. you know I had a tiny part in. Yes. Now I know. <laughs> so I feel that I can say I helped inspire you to pitch the movie Little. Can I say that? Uh yes, you can. You for can the purposes it. of this interview. Sure. Well, that's our show. Check out more of my interview with Marseille Martin on the CBS News Sunday Morning website. Go to Shows, then Clips, then hit the button for Mogul in the Making. Marseille's new movie, Little, opens in theaters on April 12th, and Blackish is Tuesdays at 9 on ABC TV. Special thanks to all of our wonderful comedians, Carrie Cottett and Ritu Chandra. For more Toadie Fields, watch everything you can find of her on YouTube. It's worth it. And for more Michael Houston, Miss Ginger Honey, check out my monthly show, The Mosquito, at Dixon Place in New York City. Go to dixonplace.org for more details. The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt, produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt, and recorded at our studios in Weehawken, New Jersey. We'll be back soon with another Bafo episode of The Giles Files, okay? Ha, ha, ha.